Hey there, I'm Natalie Abbott, and this is The Dwell Podcast. At Dwell, we help you memorize one Bible verse every month. On our weekly podcast, we talk about what our verse means, how it's challenging us, and about how the God of the universe wants to connect with us in our daily lives. Well, welcome back to the Dwell Podcast, everybody. It's your host, Natalie Abbott. And today we are starting off our September month with an amazing verse that I'm super pumped for you guys to memorize and for us to really meditate on. And I hope that it is something that will just really encourage us to to put the word of God into our hearts and minds. So our verse is Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, just A, so just the beginning of it. It says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. And that is God himself talking to us. And that is a command from him, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. And I'm super pumped because today we're talking to Mark Farr. He is the chief field officer, the CFO, not chief financial officer for the seed company. And we actually partner with the seed company uh, in Bible translation work. So if you don't know about them, we're going to have links to to their website and you can help uh, give towards that. Right now we're sponsoring a language in Guatemala and we are just so excited about the work that they're doing. We, again, you know, those of you who listen to us regularly, you know, we are all about the word of God and it is just so fun to get to partner with the seed company and to get to talk to you today, Mark. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Natalie. Excited to be with you and to be introduced to your listeners. What what a neat place for the seed company to engage with a podcast that's all about the Bible. We're just excited to have you here. I feel like we're sort of like the Twitter version of Bible, you know, like we just do one verse every month and we, you even, know, we even a partial into verse. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not even doing the whole verse here. We're just doing half of it. <laughs> it it does help us though, I think, when we when we kind of focus in on that individual leaf instead of the whole forest mm-hmm. to really appreciate certain concepts in the Bible and to dwell on them for a whole month. So this month we are really focusing on or fixing our minds and our hearts on the word of God. And I just, I love what you guys do at the seed company. Uh, I love what you guys are about. And I love that you're the chief field officer. So I feel like you are kind of the man who gets to, to like have his hands in the pie. Like you actually know what's going on day to day for people. Is that right? That is a that is a blessing, and thank you for specifying that it's not the chief financial officer. Our financial <laughs> officer uh, appreciates that. I bet he does. <laughs> no, it, it really is uh, a total blessing from the Lord to be able to be involved in what Seed Company and our partners are doing around the world. I do have a, a blessing of seeing it from a perspective of the globe, and mm. that that is uh, unique and special. Uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like that is super cool. Um, and I, I want to talk about that, but we're going to save that a little bit for later, uh, maybe in one of our other episodes. But right now, I really just am amazed. Like, how did you get, you know, Mark Farr, five-year-old dude starting kindergarten? Like, how did you get from there to where you are? And what is it about God's word and being involved in Bible translation? Like, how did you get here? If I want to do this when I grow up, how do I get there? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Oh, well, of course it's of course it's long, but it's a good one. I I have my my parents to thank and what God's word did 
adopted through them and my grandparents. So my my mom's parents came to Christ as 20-year-olds. Um, my dad's parents came to Christ as they were very young as well. And that so that was the home I grew up in. The home I grew up in did have God's word posted around, you know. So mm-hmm. even even soaking it up uh, from that uh was was easy even at, yeah. at five or six my dad was a was a minister and so i sat hearing him him preach about the value of god's word all of my upbringing and so that was baked into how i how i grew up and experienced the world is that god's word was critical god's word was important uh, i uh, went to business school uh, my dad said, uh, "You can you can do anything for the Lord. Uh, whatever you're doing uh, can honor Him." And so I went to business school. Ended up in information technology. So I was a IT leader for quite a few years. My wife and I met uh, when we were 20, and <laughs> so worked in you know as a as a lay minister in in church. You know, helping out in small groups and those kind of things. And then. Our church in Indiana sent us to a Willow Creek Small Groups Conference. We were leading mm-hmm. a small group, and they were sim- they were bringing in people from all over the world, talking about what God was doing in this part of the world and this part of the world. And it just seemed like God broke open our kind of small perspective on what He was doing. You know, that was it happening in Indiana? No, it was mm-hmm. happening around the world. That God was moving everywhere, and I just remember that event as being important uh, to us. We read a book about Bible translation, a lady named Marilyn Laszlo that wrote a book about her experiences way back in Papua New Guinea. And Mm. the book was called Mission Possible. And my family had read that. That's all we knew about Bible translation. Didn't really know the scope of the need out there. And because of that book, we went to visit uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. in visiting them, we learned about the need for Bible translation, and we were blown away. So I was a, a technologically adept, you know, Christian who grew up in in uh, in the church here in the U.S., and I really had no idea the scope. If you had asked me how many languages in the world, I would have said, you know, four hundred maybe, and and I mm-hmm. would have I would have certainly wondered if Google Translator. I uh, could have done much of it at that time. And this is this is just uh, 2007. Uh, wow. So not that long ago. So yeah. from, from there, we began a, a journey with Wycliffe and then the seed company, uh, which is an affiliate of Wycliffe uh, that took my family. We lived in Papua New Guinea for a while. And then I've served in uh, South Asia as well, making trips back and forth with seed company projects in South Asia. And so that it is a long story i've tried to make it shorter but it's a god story of of what he could do with someone who really didn't even have the vision to work in this ministry but he led step by step and in faith i you know kim and i uh, made ourselves available to to him really so okay so for those of us who don't know how many languages are there there's a around seven thousand languages in the world okay Okay. And here's another question that I feel like you're an expert, so you would know this. How many languages don't have the Bible at all? 
Yeah. So there's there's two thousand languages that have zero scripture that have not a not a single verse. So right around two thousand, and that number varies just a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the need is massive. Many of those are are small people groups today. The ones that are left are the really challenging ones to get to often mm -hmm. to get to or to engage, and so there is so much work to be done. Really and I, it but, sounds like it's not for the faint of heart then if it's if it's the most challenging kind of people groups or the smallest ones but isn't that you know who god uh, is that's that right. he would reach that the, is, the smallest is, and the you know if there's a one is, person yeah he's the least of these god he really he is. is and what's encouraging is there's more bible translation happening today than than ever in history and so we we are on on a pace that has never been there. We're seeing collaboration across agencies that's never been there. So it's just such encouragement uh, right now. So your listeners can at the same time, hopefully they're they're struck as I was, you know, humbled and and perplexed even by the need, mm -hmm. uh, you know, understanding how important Scripture is, but also can be encouraged that that the church is on mission and moving moving toward the unreached. Yeah, I know there are a lot of um, groups that are kind of banding together right now and saying, okay, we're going to do this together. There are like concerts that people are having That's right. That's specifically right. for, um, for raising awareness about uh, Bible poverty in the world. That's exactly um, right. So I love I love hearing about that. So what can you tell me about a recent project or a project you have going on right now that you're really excited about? Well, I would say I'm just excited about how I've seen the vision and the work of Seed Company progress through the years, especially mm -hmm. uh, in 1993 when the Seed Company was saying, you know, we believe that the work can be done by national workers, that local people can mm -hmm. do can do their translations if they have some help. Uh, that was controversial. Uh, that was not the model that had been patterned for the many decades. And so that was controversial. And so I'm excited today to see how that has progressed over these years. And today, you know, we're, we are really leaning in as an organization. And I feel like many of the other Bible translation organizations are also leaning into seeing the church in the local environments, the church that exists in those environments should really be leading Bible translation, not just individuals that, that have been um, brought in to do the work, but the church itself leading, passionately reaching out to, uh, to the lost, um, to those that don't have any scripture. So example I would use is places like uh, Indonesia or Nigeria. These are places where in, at least in many parts of those countries, there are strong churches. And to mm -hmm. the degree that they are passionately reaching out within their own countries to reach those who have no scriptures, we'll all be more successful. Uh, and so right. we're trying to encourage them. Uh, we're, we don't want to be the ones uh, that carry the the strongest vision for Bible translation in Nigeria. We mm. want the Nigerian church to be the ones that carry the strongest vision for reaching the unreached in their own countries. And so while back in 93, we were, we were leaning into local people just doing the translation today, we're really leaning into local people as the visionaries, the leaders, the ones doing translation, the ones funding translation. And we are, 
we are interdependently working with them. So I know that's a, a bit of a complicated message, uh, but it's something we're, we're super excited about. And so uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, these people are, they are heroes on the ground. Mm -hmm. They are mm -hmm. the, the Wycliffe and Tyndales of their own, of their own people groups. And, mm. and uh, it's, it's an honor to, to work with them and be a part of it. That is really cool. I wonder, I wonder in these groups, um, like you said, they're heroes. Do they feel like heroes? I wonder. I mean, like if you're in a country where the Bible is not a known thing and you become a believer and you're all of a sudden translating scriptures into sort of the native tongues that are around you or whatever, how are they received usually? It's a super perceptive uh, question because the reality is the languages that are left, those are not the languages that in the local areas that people necessarily think are the, the languages of the educated or the languages of the smart people or the languages of the rich people. These are generally the languages of the minority. And so, so when minority people are involved in that, it's not generally seen as, you know, they're, they're not lauded as heroes, uh, mm. at least, at least to the, uh, the culturally powerful, uh, within, right. within their own language groups, perhaps, especially once they reach a point where publishing is happening, where audio scriptures are coming out, where the Jesus film is made available, you know, maybe they're seen in a, in a better light, but as you, as you kind of indicated, as you first spoke about it in some places they can't even be known you know mm -hmm. who, their I own identity has to be shielded and uh, we use pseudonyms even to mm -hmm. relate to them sometimes mm -hmm. you know we have to work through third parties to relate to them so you can imagine uh, some of them are are in a difficult situation so heroes heroes <laughs> heroes not weirdos maybe That's weird right. to their <laughs> weird yeah. to their own kind a little bit maybe but yeah. yeah um i have a friend recently who's a she's a missionary in spain and has been for oh gosh like 20 years friend mm -hmm. from college and she was saying how in spain everybody thinks she's so weird like why don't you get a job <laughs> oh sure right. you know what are you doing you do what that's not a thing um that's so right. You know, in the United States, I think we're more familiar with what is a missionary or who is a Bible translator. But I just wonder, you know, how how other cultures even receive that or understand it. No, their so. own identity is is a key uh, struggle uh, because they obviously, in some places, they can't be known as Bible translators. You know, yeah. they have to have some other way of of being known, being valued in the community. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you nailed it. Well, you know, I just, I love that there's a, there's a level of dedication and commitment and that that's what you guys are working towards that idea that, you know, I think sometimes we have a, a sense in which like we have to do the work, like I have to do the work. I'm the person that needs to come in there and show them how it's done or whatever, but to, to be humble enough to say, no, you know, we need to be raising up disciples instead mm -hmm. of converts like we need people who are who are following jesus themselves who are excited about god's word who are mm -hmm. doing this on their own um i just think that's such a great philosophy of of ministry so it's, it's multiplication yeah, yeah exactly that's 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 how we've been referring to it um and the the reality is you know scripture translation is somewhat of a marathon uh, 
when when something is done over time, you will eventually need to revise it. So think about right. think about the scripture you and I read. You know, we read multiple versions, and they've mm-hmm. been revised many times. And so, if we don't, if we have if scripture translation happens and yet there's not a vision, leadership, technical capabilities there for revision or for uh, for those kind of things, uh, then it's not the best case scenario. You know, the best case scenario is that there is a there's a strong element of desire to move on, desire to do more, desire to create uh you know, different scripture use materials. And mm. so it has a lot to do with motivation, passion, uh, capabilities. It's not just a project um, mm. to where you, you go in and you're done. And so, yeah, we're, we're trying to get something started that will continue even when we, we and our partners might not be involved. Hmm. That's a great vision. I love that. Uh, okay, Mark. Well, we are about out of time for this episode, but I'm super excited uh, to dive in a little deeper to our verse uh, about fixing God's word on our hearts and our minds. And I love just so much of what we're talking about. And and I hope that our listeners have caught just a little bit of that fire for God's word and for translation. And um, I, I have a question for you for next time, but I want people to be thinking about this why not just use Google Translate? Hmm. So I can't wait to ask you that question in our next episode. For those of you who have to wait, I'm sorry, but we'll be back again next week with our episode two with Mark Farr. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Dwell Podcast. You can find out more about us at Dwell Differently on Instagram, Facebook, and at dwelldifferently.com online. We help people connect with God through scripture memory, daily posts, a weekly blog, and of course, this podcast.